Hey, before we jump into the time of the message, I want to take a few minutes uh, to talk about our disciple training that's coming at the end of this month. Um, This is a significant opportunity for those who are interested in going deeper in their walk with Jesus and getting some practical training uh, on how to follow Jesus as his disciples. Uh, Through our fourth Tuesday training this last year, we continue to talk about how one of the things that we're recognizing about where God is leading us as a church, not just Faith Covenant Church, but the church, uh, particularly in America perhaps for the future, is that ministry will need to become less programmatic and more relational. But one of the challenges that we see in that is that in many ways we have not been well equipped to know how to engage in relational ministry with other people. In fact, as we start to consider that and we think about how God might be leading us, some of us begin to feel a little intimidated and cautious and unsure about how to proceed and what to do. And so in this next round of training, uh, we're going to be uh, offering a practical training on the nature and skills of helping relationships. If sometime in the future you may feel led by God to pursue a more intentional relationship with another person or with other people in order to support and encourage them in their own lives, to be able to help walk with them on their journey with Jesus, or maybe even coming out of our current series to help them navigate through a transition in life that they're going through, we want to provide a basic framework for what healthy helping relationships look like including things like setting clear intentions, maintaining healthy boundaries, and the freedom, you're going to love this one, the freedom to not have to be the expert. We'll also be providing help in developing the practical skills involved in what we'll be calling active listening. Active listening is a form of putting the needs of others first, which sounds like what Jesus would invite us to do, right? It's actually one of the most important ways that we can communicate genuine care, concern, respect, and love to other people that God might lead us to invest our time in. And as we'll discover together, uh, it's one of the most effective ways that we can become truly helpful to another person. And more than that, if you think about it, it has immediate practical value in our family relationships, in our friendships, in the workplace, in the community where God might lead us. And so it's not just for uh, church types, you know, activities, it's for all of life. And finally, as part of our training, we'll be exploring the biblical basis for listening as ministry and see how Jesus actually employed active listening skills to the people that God sent him to to bring his healing and his good news message in ministry. Each month, we're going to provide dinner and child care to make it as easy as possible for anybody who wants to come to be able to attend. And so we're going to ask everyone to register so we can plan to meet everyone's needs. And an important part of these disciple training events we're finding is the community and the fellowship that we experience as we go through these trainings together. And so if you want to sign up, we'd encourage you to commit to going to all four of the Tuesday evening sessions in February through May. Now, there's always grace, and we know that life happens, but uh, we just ask you to be as intentional as you can about committing to be a part of those four sessions. If you'd like to hear more and in order to make a decision on whether you're willing to make that level of a commitment this winter and spring, uh, we're going to have a come and see lunch on February 26th, and you can sign up for that too, please, uh, so we know to plan food for you, but you can sign up, come to the lunch without any further commitment, and we'll be able to give you more details about what we'll be doing. You can ask questions, and that might help you to make a decision. 
decision. If you already know that you want to participate and you want to come to the lunch too, by all means, you can do both. So sign up for both. Go to our church website. And on the website, you can click on the Winter 2023 event box, and that'll take you to the form, and you can sign up for um, the lunch. You can sign up for the training on there. And I would ask you, there, it also breaks out the final uh, session in May. Go ahead and click that if you're signing up for the session. So I just encourage you to be prayerfully considering whether this might be a time that God invites you to take a next step in your walk with Him. And with that, I want to invite you to pray with me one more time as we... Spend time looking into God's Word. God, we stand before your throne without one little plea. There is nothing that we can do to earn your love and your grace or to overcome the sin and the brokenness in our lives, and yet we know that we have an advocate in the risen Son, Jesus, who stands before your throne pleading our case so that we don't have to. God, we thank you that your word is active and living and sharper than a two-edged sword and cuts to the heart of the matter and gets to the deepest parts of our lives. And this morning, God, as we look into your word again, we ask that you would gently but specifically speak your word to each one of us this morning, that word that we need to hear to bring your healing and wholeness and to call us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we continue in our series on navigating life's transitions, we've been exploring how we can begin to understand that transition is the periodic process that God uses to adapt us to life changes in ways that will help align us to His will and to His work in our lives. As we've identified, almost every transition has a similar life cycle and typically progresses through four stages. There's the entry stage, and then there's the um, evaluation stage, and then you can move into the alignment stage. Usually there's kind of a rocking back and forth and a repetition of going back and forth between evaluation and alignment as God does his work in us to bring us to that new sense of direction. And ultimately, as we come out of a time of transition, there's usually a faith challenge where we are uh, asked to put our trust in God and to step out in faith in some new way as God leads us into the new thing that He wants to do in our lives. Two weeks ago, we began looking at this pattern through the lens of one of the major transitions in the life of the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 10. And at the beginning of chapter 10 in Acts, we, following this life cycle pattern that we've just seen, Peter has entered into transition, but he didn't even realize it which is pretty common, right? Most of the time we find ourselves already in a transition, not realizing that we've entered it only to look back and go, wow, no wonder things aren't working the way I thought they were. No wonder I'm so confused and frustrated right now. I'm in a time of transition and God is wanting to do something new, even though we might not know what it is. What we know in a transition is that we can't go back to where we've been, but we're not sure yet where God is leading us in the future. And so we're stuck in this in-between time. See, God knew that Peter wasn't ready for the massive shift in understanding that the nature of the kingdom of God that Jesus came to inaugurate was going to be so much greater and so much uh, grander than anyone could have imagined. So God prepared a new relationship for Peter in the person of the Roman centurion named Cornelius who would help him to begin to understand God's expanding role for Peter in this expanding kingdom that Jesus had started. 
God had been working in Cornelius' life and had prompted him to send people to go find Peter and invite him to come back to Cornelius' home to share the good news message of Jesus with him. And so we pick up in verse 9 of chapter 10 the story of Peter, where it says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, these are the people from Cornelius, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, now some scholars suggest that the NIV's translation of the word wondering here is a little soft. Uh, Other translations say Peter was perplexed by this vision. The intensity of of which this vision caused Peter to have to wrestle with what in the world is God doing and and what does this mean for my life can't be uh, overstated here. And so Peter is confused. He's hard-pressed to know why God would give him this vision and what its meaning was. And it says, while he was perplexed, while he was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Don't you love God's timing? God's timing is always perfect. While Peter was still thinking about the version, again, thinking is probably too soft, while while Peter was pondering, while Peter was actually wrestling deeply with what has happened to him, with this vision that God had given him, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for, why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guests. Now what we can see in the story at this point is that this vision from God And the lessons that God is wanting to teach Peter through this vision and the experiences that he's having have forced Peter from an entry in a time of transition into a time of evaluation. And this time of evaluation that that Peter's going to have to wrestle with this meaning and what is going on and how is God trying to teach him and direct him would begin to prepare him to be able to move into a better alignment with God's plans for his life. But what we also see at the very beginning here is that this vision from God, this sheet full of all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds and the command of God to to kill and to eat was something that Peter was extremely unwilling to do. Have you ever been in that position with God? I know I have. You see, the command to kill and eat these animals may seem like a no-brainer to us in our Western mindset. I mean, shoot, you know, light up the barbecue, let's eat, right? What's he worried about? 
But Jewish law prohibited Peter from eating any kind of meat that was not kosher. And for the Jews, food restrictions weren't about polite etiquette or being picky eaters. The the strict dietary laws were a matter of survival and identity as God's people who were to be set apart for his purposes. And this command went against Peter's lifelong training and upbringing as a faithful religious person and follower of God. So Peter, in typical Peter fashion, bursts out, no way, God, I'm not doing that, right? Peter's having none of it. And yet what we learn from the story is that this vision that God led him to, that perplexed him and that forced him to have to wrestle with what God was doing in his life, had everything to do with a major transition that God was wanting to work in Peter's life and to open a whole new door for life and ministry that he never could have expected. See, what we learn from the Bible and from Peter's life is that God uses transitions to prepare us to be used by God for His kingdom purposes in ways that we might not yet fully know or understand. But the reality is, like Peter, it's often our own fear and anxiety and confusion that leads us to resistance. And that can short-circuit God's developmental work in our lives and prevent us from achieving a breakout moment to get out of a time of transition and enter into the new thing that God is wanting to do in our lives. Peter's response shows that he, like us, our, our natural tendency is to try and resist the new thing that God might be wanting to do, to not want to enter into the transition and the change that God is leading us to pursue in our lives, which leads us to our first takeaway for this morning from Peter's story today, and that is that like Peter, successful transition depends on not allowing resistance to hold you back. Successful transition depends on not allowing resistance to hold you back. Now, in Peter's story, we see this life cycle, this pattern happening in just a few days, right? But we also know from studying thousands of of Christian leaders' lives that times of transition can take up to three months or even three years, And God uses repetition during those times to bring us back again and again to the core lessons that he's wanting us to learn and those things within us that he's wanting to to heal and to, to break through in order to overcome our resistance and to allow us to gain a new understanding of the work that he's doing and to experience a new kind of freedom that maybe we've never felt before in our relationship with him. And so God repeated this vision to Peter three times. He knew that transition wasn't going to be easy for Peter, and in order to persuade him to embrace the change that God was bringing into his life, he used repetition to remind Peter that he needed to take this seriously. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We know that three times was personally significant for Peter, right? God does those little personally significant things to remind us that it's really him doing the work. We know that Peter denied Jesus how many times? Three times. And then after the resurrection on the beach, you know, over a campfire and some fish, Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you, Jesus, he says. Then feed my sheep. And, and God was restoring him to relationship with Jesus after his denial. How many times does God prompt us before we're willing to embrace a significant change that he might be wanting to make in our life? 
or to take a new step that he's been leading us to take, but, but we've been resisting and we've been kind of balking at what we know God is leading us to do. You see, for Peter, digesting the meaning of this vision went against all of his training and all of his upbringing, but in the end, Peter did not allow his resistance to become disobedience. When the Gentile men sent by Cornelius arrived, he actually invited them into his home, it says, and in doing so, took a major step in the transition that God was leading him to by not recoiling from the idea of sharing food and lodging with Gentiles whom he actually invited into his home in an act of hospitality. And so as Peter is already to be coming to understand in this phase of evaluation, God's transition was not so much about food and religious rituals as it was about relationships and the people that God was going to send him to, to be a blessing and to share the good news message with. Through his obedience to the vision from God and what God was trying to teach him through it, he was actually opening the door to receive Gentiles into the fellowship of this new church that Jesus had formed and was participating in revealing a mystery that no one had fully understood or appreciated before now. Paul said it in this way in Ephesians 3, 6. He said, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And it's because of Peter's witness and the other apostles and the disciples who followed this transition that God led them to that most of us who are not Jewish are part of the church today. We are a a part of the legacy of Peter's obedience to God's leading in his life. Terry Walling, in his book called Stuck, Navigating the Transitions of Life and Leadership, he says, the evaluation phase often requires us to look back. God invites us to review our past struggles, to confront unhealed wounds, to challenge previous assumptions, and to deepen convictions in our life. In the evaluation phase, he says, God begins to reveal new truth and works to refine the heart. This refining process often leads us to confront areas of sin or struggle in our lives, which God calls us to repent and to surrender to. You may recall 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, where John says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But he goes on and says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And again, Walling says that the evaluation phase is all about learning to surrender and accept God's forgiveness so that he can lead us into a new direction and a new path that he wants to reveal to us. But he also says that the issues that God is wanting to surface in these times of evaluation can, can ma- be masked by our own desires to, to have easy solutions and quick fixes because we believe that if we're good Christians, we shouldn't be struggling like we are and we should be able to, ha- to have a, a quick answer that we should be able to just apply a, 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 a solution and move forward. And yet it's in times of transition that God uses this struggle that he invites us to to experience, kind of like, uh, you know, Jacob struggling with the angel, right? To build the depth and the character that's needed for us to be able to face the new challenges that he has ahead. And so the second takeaway from Peter's story today I want to suggest for us is that being in a position to be able to hear God is essential to navigating a transition, 
The Bible tells us that Peter went to pray at noon, which scholars say was not one of the three prescribed Jewish times of prayer. So, so Peter is not going to pray out of religious duty or ritual. It says it was uh, about lunchtime. So he, he's not just bowing his head and praying for the meal because that's what he does every time he eats. He's actually going to the roof, a, a flat roof that was uh, perhaps overlooking the ocean, that was a quiet place away from the bustle of the household below because he wants to spend time with God. He wants to hear from God. He wants to connect with Him. How often do we take time out of our busy days to, to connect with God? Not just following a prescribed agenda of religious duty, but genuinely reaching out to God and taking time to listen for the voice of His Spirit who might want to speak to us, not just before meals, but perhaps throughout the day. Or maybe like Peter, we could take the first part of our lunch break to check in with God before we move to quickly eat our food and, and rush off to the rest of the day. The fact that Peter saw this vision while he was on the rooftop at noon in prayer indicates that he is in the right condition and he's in the right position to be able to hear a word from the Lord. So we could say, learning from Peter, that more important than being able to see or predict every phase of a transition is being sure that our connection with God is strong. When the vision ended, Peter tried to figure out what it meant for him. The Bible describes his emotions following the vision, as we've said, as perplexed. And he, he wrestled with and he pondered what had happened. And, and what happened is that God had smashed his internal compass of religious rituals and the guidelines that had directed his life. And now the story tells us that, that he was confused and he was hard-pressed and he didn't know what it meant. But rather than avoiding it or running away from it, it says he spent time thinking about it and pondering it and reflecting on it because he wanted to understand what God was speaking into his life and what it meant for his future. You see, times of transition can leave us disoriented, feeling like we're navigating life with a broken compass. And that's why it becomes so important that we work to ensure that our connection with God remains strong. A compass is a good tool. Have you guys ever had to navigate with a compass? Right? It's a little challenging. <laughs> it's a good tool, but, but it's difficult, and it can, can often not be very effective. Even better than a compass, though, is, is a global positioning system. Right? Right? A global positioning system is connected to the satellite in the sky. And it knows exactly where you are at every moment. And it knows exactly where you're going. And even best, it knows exactly how to get you where you're going. All you have to do is stay connected to the system. You see, when we find our own internal compass no longer pointing us to true north, like Peter, we need to trade in our compass for God's global positioning system. Now, we've talked about this in the past here at Faith Covenant Church. I want to suggest there are three key elements to God's GPS system for our lives. Number one is God's Word. Number two is God's Spirit. And number three is God's people. 
The reality is that it's our time spent in communion with God, speaking with God and listening to God, what we call prayer, that His Spirit makes us more receptive to His voice and His leading in our lives. And we also know that it's prayerfully reading through God's Word and spending time in Scripture that keeps us familiar with God's heart and with God's ways so that we are more readily able to understand God's new leading in our life and connecting with God's people then, people who share the same spirit among us, connects us with others who can then help us to understand how to interpret God's Word and God's voice and God's leading in our life. Men and women, that's what church is all about. We are part of the global positioning system for disciples of Jesus who are trying to navigate life and ministry. And as we study the stories of God's people in the Bible, like the story of Peter, we can begin to see the process of how God leads individuals and churches to begin to discern his leading in their lives and to be able to respond in obedience to the ways that God is directing them. In the story of Peter here in Acts 10, we can see that there's this combination of divine guidance and interaction with other people and a human willingness to hear and respond that merge together to produce the intended results of the transition that God is working in Peter's life. We need those same pieces in our global positioning system be able to navigate where God is leading us as well. The last takeaway for today, number three, is that sometimes when it feels like we are experiencing a breakdown, it's really because God is wanting to lead us to a breakthrough. Sometimes when we're feeling like we're experiencing a breakdown, it's really because God is wanting to lead us to experience a breakthrough. Again, Terry Walling in his book Stuck says, the majority of time spent in transition is often below the waterline. When we're living below the waterline between evaluation and alignment, it can be very disorienting and it can be very disheartening. Sometimes the pain and the confusion and the the repetition and the frustration and wondering, is this ever going to end? And and where is God in the midst of this? And how could God abandon me and leave me stuck in this place can leave us feeling like we're heading for a breakdown. But when this happens, Walling says, the real risk is that you can plateau in your development and you can stop growing in your relationship with Jesus. See, all Christians and and all leaders alike face times of plateau where they stop growing and they arrest in their development. Some keep pushing on, hoping that doing more will somehow right the ship and bring them out of the isolation that they feel and the frustration that they're going through, only to come against that plateau again and again and again. Anybody ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand. Some of us are there right now. And we've been beating our head against that ceiling, wondering, when are we going to break through? When is God going to let us get out of the situation we're in to experience the new thing that he's leading us to? What Walling suggests in his book is that what we see in Peter's life is that breakthrough comes as a result of our taking time to discover how God is actually already working in our life and what he's trying to accomplish so that we can come into alignment with him. And that's when we'll begin to experience the breakthrough that God has for us. 
See, the real danger at this stage is that our emotions can get the better of us and we can begin to grow spiritually and emotionally numb by avoidance and denial and the resistance that creeps up in us to, to want to not allow God to take control of our life, but to try and maintain our own sense of control, thinking that if we just do more, that we're already doing better, we're going to somehow be able to manage it on our own. But like a large ship or a giant iceberg, it's under the surface. It's below the waterline that God is wanting to do his deepest work in our lives. Again, Walling says in the evaluation stage, God God goes underneath to examine the damage and the impact of our most recent voyages. Under the waterline, God begins to identify our weaknesses and to bring healing to the unseen cracks in our lives. Thus, times of evaluation will bring a Christ follower face-to-face with the issues of self. And if successful, will produce an increasing need and desire for God's presence and power and a deeper need for a re-encounter with the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. If you had to make a guess, what is it you think God might be going after in your life right now? What are the things that are just below the waterline that maybe nobody else sees, but, but you know they're there, and you know that God knows they're there, and he's been trying to get you to let him come into those broken, difficult places? Whether you believe you're in a time of transition or not, what is God surfacing in your heart and in your mind as you consider the shaping work that he might be doing in your life in this season and where he might be leading you forward? Do you find yourself resisting the work that God is wanting to do? And if so, what's behind that resistance? Is it a fear? Is it a, a, a pain? Is it control? Is it a, you don't want to lose comfort? If your own internal compass has been shattered, how might you begin to access God's GPS system for navigating your life? What combination of of God's word and God's spirit and God's people do you need to maybe intentionally begin to pursue in your life? To be able to connect, connect to God in a new way and to position yourself to be able to hear from God in a fresh, in a new way. Men and women, that's what we're here for. That's what church is about. That's what being a part of a a disciple group or a life group or serving on a ministry team or or being on the worship team or coming to the disciple training on Fourth Tuesdays, those are all places where we can connect with God's global positioning system so that we can begin to hear the voice of God in more clear and direct ways and we can navigate the transitions of life that he's leading us through. You see, in times of transition, even though it gets hard, rather than shutting down or running away or numbing our emotions, we can begin to feel, which lead us to feel disoriented. We can allow God to remind us that that pain and that frustration and that suffering is his reminder of our need for dependence on him. And when we do, the Bible tells us that we can have the assurance that the Holy Spirit will help us in our times of weakness. You remember Romans 8, 26, where Paul says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You don't even have to have the words to say if you just turn your heart to God and you cry out uh, like Andrew did when his way out of the sanctuary today. <laughs> the Holy Spirit can interpret those groans and those cries to God's ears and tell God exactly what it is that we're needing and exactly what it is that we're feeling, and He can help us in those places of weakness and brokenness in our lives. You might remember that Paul goes on from that verse in 27 and 28 to say, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. As we wrap up today, I want to suggest that it is the breadcrumbs of God's activity in your life and in my life that we find along the path when we're willing to pay attention to where God is leading us that give us the insight and the hope into the new direction that God is wanting to lead us. And then, like Peter, we are better able to respond and begin to better align ourselves with God's will and God's plan for our lives. And I guarantee you, God is going to lead you to new relationships with people who are going to help you to navigate the, the road ahead that God is leading you to. The men at Peter's door reiterated the story of the angel's visit to Cornelius and reinforcing for Peter that the vision that God had given him and these men who had now shown up were both a part of a new script that God was writing into the story of Peter's life. Peter didn't know where he was going or why. He didn't understand the new chapter that God was doing. But what we see is that he was willing to be led by God. Are we? Let's pray. God, we know that life is hard. Transition is messy. We stink at relationships. But you have the answers for all that we need. God, we know that you are always working in our lives and you're always leading us to understand your will so that we can understand how you're working for our good and for your glory. And we ask in this season again, give us the courage to lean into your word and to lean into your spirit and to lean into your people so that we can understand where you have positioned us and where you're leading us and together we can go on this journey as disciples of Jesus who are simply trying our best to say yes to his leading, to follow him as his true disciples. And God, we will thank you for the ways that you bless us and heal us and lead us into the freedom of the new direction that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.